Well, good evening, everyone. Good to see you tonight, and uh, good to be out in the house of the Lord tonight. I just want to say one thing to start. I want to put uh, Megan's mind at ease. I picked on her last time I was up here, and you can relax, Megan. I won't do that again. Now, Caleb, I might try, but we'll, uh, we'll leave Megan alone this time. Well, it's great to be with you tonight. Would you turn to me, please, to Second Peter in chapter 3. We're going to go to Second Peter in chapter 3 for our scripture reading, and then we'll be speaking from Second Timothy chapters 3 and 4. You may, you may think that if you're in Sunday school and in the morning service, you may think that uh, Derek and Steve and I got together and planned this whole day <clears throat> because uh, much of what I wanted to say tonight has already been implied and indicated uh, throughout the day as we've met together, uh, but hopefully it'll be uh, just enough different uh, to be interesting, <clears throat> but not enough different to be heretical. So uh, we'll, we'll try that tonight. From Second Peter in chapter 3, please follow with me. And if my voice bears out, we'll read verses 10 through 14. Second Peter chapter 3, follow with me and I'll read verses 10 through 14. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? That's, of course, in the way we live. That's our lifestyle. And in godliness, that is Christ-likeness. Verse 12 looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And then verse 14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. That is, that ye may be found of him in peace without spot, and blameless. <clears throat> then if you'll turn me please back to Second Timothy and chapter three. We'll be drawing a lesson tonight from chapters three and four. <clears throat> last time I was with you, we spoke on a Sunday night, I believe it was last month, we spoke on a Sunday night and we spoke about two interesting phrases in the Old Testament. The one was by God, from God, by or through Ezekiel, who said this. He was looking for a man to make up the hedge and stand in the gap. And evidently, in those uh, troublesome times, the nation of Israel, when Ezekiel was prophesying, God looked around and determined or tried at least to find someone who would do his work his way and stand for God. It was a very difficult thing to do, we said. And it's very much compared to today. It's very difficult to stand for God when you consider that the world around us is crumbling, is falling apart, is doing their own thing, doing whatever they want to do, saying whatever they want to say, getting away with whatever they want to get away with. And you and I have absolutes and standards from the Word of God that we must stand in. And then we found that the answer to that uh, last time, was Eliezer's words as he was sent from Abraham to find a bride for Isaac, 
uh, his words were, uh, I being in the way, the Lord led me. So the answer to finding someone who will stand in the gap and do the work of the Lord and stand on the absolutes of Scripture in these days is to find someone, some Christian or group of Christians who will be willing to make a lifestyle of Christianity, who will be willing to follow a course of action and set themselves willingly in a course of action that would follow God and that would do his will. And that's a little bit about what we want to talk about tonight. If you look with me at 2 Timothy, and in chapter 3, you will see that it begins this way. This know also, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. And then it goes on in many verses to describe these perilous times. It's often been said that we ought to listen very carefully to the last words of a good man. For instance, uh, think about Stephen, if you will. His last words were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What a wonderful lesson in how to love one another and how to treat others, especially those who do not have our best interests in mind. Then as we think of the last words of the Lord Jesus, he said on the cross, it is finished. And what he meant was that the work of redemption was done once and for all. And then his final words to his disciples just before he went back to heaven was going into all the world, telling us that never-ending task. The last words of a good man are worth listening to. Well, that's what we find here in Second Timothy, because the book of Second Timothy is Paul's last words just before he died, the last words that he penned on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and his words to the young man, the young pastor Timothy here, are very, very important for us, for them in those days, and for us in these days. Look at what it says. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. If, and our, our, our thing that we want to say and get across tonight is this, it is very, very crucial that you and I, as God's people, live the kind of lives in these days and stand on the word of God these days that testimony and be a witness for Jesus Christ and somehow, hopefully, by that influence and the influence of God to show this world that they need Jesus Christ. With that in mind, what Paul is saying here, I wrote this down, number one, what Paul is saying here in chapter 3 is this. He's saying, get to know and understand the conditions of society. If you're going to live for God, if you're going to stand on the word, if you're going to do what he has asked and had asked his disciples in his final words to do, then we need to understand the condition of society. First of all, it says that today are the last days. Then it says perilous times shall come. It's very interesting, that, that word perilous is very, very interesting. The word perilous means dangerous. It means, it literally means, it's stronger than dangerous, it literally means fierce. And listen to this, it means dangerous, fierce times, listen carefully now, that sap our strength. I thought that was interesting. The last days... Times will come that are dangerous, 
that are fierce and that will sap our strength. And I don't know about you, but when I read the newspaper and when I have some understanding about what's going on in our society and in our world today, sometimes it just takes a life right out of me. Sometimes it saps my strength. Sometimes I'm tempted to think and to say, what's the use anyway? What in the world can I do to change this whole thing around, to turn this whole thing around? What can I do to point people to Christ? What can I do to somehow serve God in this corrupt society? That's almost what we get the feel of saying, isn't it, sometimes? Because we're living in days that are dangerous, that are fierce. We'll talk more about that later. But they will even be, have a tendency to take our strength away and to take our resolve away and to take our determination away to stand on the Word of God and to stand for God. One of the things that is truly, of course, and I didn't come here tonight to harp on a bunch of stuff, but one of the things that truly is turning our society away from God is homosexuality and same-sex marriage. I am astounded. I can hardly believe it. I don't want to believe it. But my home state of the state of Maine has become a leader in this whole shenanigan. We have the opportunity to read the Bangor Daily News every day. And it's amazing how much coverage is given to same-sex marriage and to homosexuality. And then the other day, just a few weeks ago, on the very front page of the Bangor Daily News, the front-runner for a governor in this fall's election openly declared himself to be gay. On the front page of the Bangor Daily News, and I was talking with, with someone this afternoon, a pastor in Maine, and I mentioned that to him, and he said, well, you know what that's going to do? Instead of a few years ago, that turning people away from voting for him, now that's going to have the opposite effect, and there's going to be people going to vote for him just because of that. These are the days, and I mention that because these are the days in which we are living and perhaps by November, the state of Maine, a, a, a normally conservative, <laughs> in fact, a, a little bit of backwoodsy, don't you think? The way life should be, the sign says. I kind of think it's the way life used to be, but that's okay. Maine may have the distinction of being the only state in the United States with a gay governor. Those are the days. And my dear friends, we need to understand, according to Paul here, if we're going to accomplish something for God, and we're going to get to the positive, hopefully, we're going to get to the positive here in a few minutes, but we've got to understand the condition of society in these last days, and their fierce, dangerous times. That's, that's number one. Number two they will be, or can be, at least times of persecution. Look at verse 12, after he gets done explaining the condition of society and all that's going on, and we could spend a lot of time with that, we're not going to, but look at verse 12. He says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's what we were talking about in our adult Sunday school class this morning. That is very, very possible. 
that the conditions of society will get so bad before Christ comes that you and I, who normally live in, in peace, and this wonderful, and I say that seriously, even though I'm from Maine, this wonderful place called Carlton County, may, because we stand for the word of God and stand for God and live the way Christ would have us live, may suffer for that. In fact, some of us may have suffered somewhat already. Perhaps when people we work with find out that we're Christians, and people we work with find out that we, we go to church three times on Sunday and once during the week. Or we try to tell people about Christ, and it's a laughing matter for them. Perhaps some of us have suffered a little bit like that already. But what Paul is stressing here is, before he tells us what we can do about it, what he's stressing is, part of the condition of society is not only that these are fierce, dangerous times that will sap our strength and take our heart away, but are times that may result in persecution. I related to our Sunday school class this morning that we have a son and I have a brother who are both pastors in Maine. I don't know why Maine is coming into this so much tonight, but anyway. Uh, uh, we have a son and a brother who are pastors in Maine, and one of the things they have both said to me is this. I wonder what's going to happen when two gay men come to our church and ask me if I will marry them, and I refuse. You think that might end up in a little bit of persecution? And I also mentioned to our Sunday school class that there is a, a strong Christian congressman in Maine, down in Machias, Maine, who has tried to pass a bill that will protect fundamental Bible-preaching pastors from this very thing. And the other day I was so disappointed on the front page of the paper. It said David Burns had failed. His bill was struck down. And what they said was, when they voted it down, what they said was, oh, that's already taken care of. That's, that's, the pastors are already protected. I don't believe it for a minute. Not one minute. And some of these men may be the first. May be the first that will actually suffer the kind of persecution that it's talking about here. So what's a condition of society? It's perilous times, dangerous times, times of persecution. But, oh, look at verse 16. No, you love this. I'm going to get a little positive now. Isn't that good? Look at verse 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, chapter 3, 2 Timothy, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or whole or healthy or sound, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You see, the same passage in the same chapter, and I'm so glad for this, and I think you are too, but the same chapter that tells us to pay attention to the conditions of society and tells us how rotten they are and tells us that we may even suffer some form of persecution before Christ comes again also gives us a wonderful promise that his word is true, his word is perfect, his word is from God, his word is profitable, his word if attended to and adhered to, strengthens us and guides us and helps us to grow and to be righteous, even in difficult days and in difficult times. 
that we should never lose heart. <laughs> we should never lose heart. We look at all these things and we think about some of the things that are going on in our society. That we, we need to know those things if we're going to effectively serve God. But I'll tell you what, we really should not let it take our attention away from the Word of God. We should not let it hurt us, destroy us, numb us, take our confidence away because we surely have the word of God to trust in and to help us and to strengthen us for anything that lies ahead. I'll tell you what I believe, and I think you agree with me, I hope. I'll tell you what I believe, that the word of God contains everything. It's all truth. All of it's truth. It doesn't just contain the truth. It's all truth. But I believe the Word of God contains everything that I need to help me, protect me, to guide me, and to help me serve Him in any dispensation and in any time, no matter how hard the times get. I believe the Word of God is sufficient for everything that we need. So while we talked a little bit scary there at first <laughs> about all the stuff that's going on in society and about possible persecution, isn't it wonderful to know and to be assured that we have the holy, perfect, spirit-inspired word of God to trust in? Well, with that in mind, let's go on to point number two. <clears throat> and that's this. Not only did Paul say in chapter 3, we need to understand something about if we're going to be effective now in these last days, do we need to understand something about the conditions of society and what's going on in the world and what's happening and what could happen and so forth. But secondly, not only conditions of society, but he gives us a charge to the saints. Chapter 4 begins with a charge to the saints. Okay, so here it is. So I understand. So I understand some of the stuff that's going on in society. So I understand some of the pressures that are going to be on me in my Christian life. So I understand who is against me and what is against me and the things that I have to stand against in order to live for God and live according to the Scriptures. So I understand that. Now what's my responsibility? Well, here it is. Here's the charge. Look at uh, chapter 4. He says, I charge thee... That's where I got the word charge. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, his appearing in his kingdom. Okay, what's my responsibility? I'm responsible to him. And what's my responsibility? Verse 2, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, rebuke, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And we'll go on from there in just a few minutes. The charge, first of all, is really, I wrote this down. The charge really is, first of all, to be ready with whatever it takes. How am I going to live for God in this society, in these last days, in these dangerous times, in these times that will take my breath away? How am I going to do that? How am I going to live like that? One thing that I need to do is to be ready with whatever it takes. What he's saying is, preach the word the instant in season, out of season, what he's saying is there's no off season for the gospel. There's no off season for living according to the word of God. There's not an in season and an out season. 
It's always seasonable to speak about God, to be ready with whatever it takes. I've been a hunter and a fisherman all of my life. And to my knowledge, except for maybe once, to my knowledge, I have never done anything out of season. Now, there was that one time when I was fishing for trout in northern Maine. And guys, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. I came to a still water, and it was so clear that I could see a beaver run right down the middle on the bottom of that still run. And you know what that means. That's where the trout are going to be. And I stood there, and I cast it across to the other side and let the worm drift through the beaver run. And I couldn't believe it. I just kept hauling them in and hauling them in. The, the limit was 10. By the time I came to my senses, <laughs> I may have had 10 and a half. Or 12. But anyway, other than that, I really think I've tried to obey the law and stay in season. But you know, with the Word of God and the privilege of ministering the Word of God and preach the Word is just speak the Word, speak the truth. The privilege of doing that is never out of season. There's never a time when that can't be true or can't be done. Never. And so I think what Paul is saying is once you know the conditions of society, my charge to you, and by the word charge here means a serious, I earnestly urge you, seriously, earnestly urge you to be ready with whatever it takes. A little, down a little further, uh, look what he says in verse 5, for instance. He says, watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Now, that doesn't imply that everyone has the gift of evangelism. There is a gift of evangelism. And to tell you the truth, sometimes when I'm in a carnal mood, I envy people like Ed Seeley and Al Cabral and Jerry Vanderveen who have the gift of evangelism. I don't have it. But this doesn't say anything about the gift of evangelism. This says do the work of an evangelist. And there's a lot of difference. To do the work of an evangelist is simply to be ready at any time, in season, out of season, to be ready at any time with the good news of the gospel and to be able to express it to anyone who will listen. That's what it means. And so when we look all around us, we tend to be kind of discouraged at all the rotten stuff. We have the blessed privilege of to a handful of people, maybe, to a handful of people, we individually have the blessed privilege of explaining the good news of the gospel. And that's our charge. That's what we're supposed to be doing these days. It really is. Secondly, once we know the conditions of society, the second charge is, the first one is to be ready with the good news of the gospel, with whatever it takes, any time. Secondly, it's to be tenacious in sticking to the word to be tenacious in sticking to the Word of God. That's right, I said sticking. Sticking to the Word of God. Look in verses 3 and 4. 
It says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and be turned unto fables. And if we've ever lived in a world and in a society when this is true, this is true today. Be tenacious in sticking to the word. Of, notice what it says in verse 2. Preach the word. Stick to the word. Use the word of God. This is where our absolutes are. This is where salvation is. This is where the pathway to eternal life is. This is where we know how to live and exist and have our being. We must stick to the word. Because, he says, and, I, and the time is here, perhaps it was there when Paul was writing too, but the time for sure is here, when all people want to listen to is what tickles their fancy. That's really what it means, to have itching ears. Want to hear all kinds of stuff, but it wants to be all positive stuff that they like and doesn't rebuke them. Notice what it says. That the word of God in chapter 3 and verse 16 is profitable for doctrine for what? Reproof. For correction. For instruction. It's not just to tickle my ears. It's to help me understand how to live for God. That's what it's for. And I need to be sure that I don't just tell people what they want to hear. And I don't dream up all kinds of myths and fables that turn people away from the truth because the solid truth is only found in the Word of God. And sometimes people just don't want to hear it. They just don't want to hear it. But that's all I have to work with, and that's enough. And that's all you have to work with, and that's enough. For the last almost 50 years, I've been actively and on quite a few occasions crossing the border in Holton, Woodstock. And uh, I can rem we can remember, in fact, we were just talking about it uh, yesterday, when we first uh, came through the border after our wedding and had the car piled high with all kinds of wedding gifts. Thank you, folks, again. Um, and uh, so forth. My wife, we were going to live in Maine, and, uh, and Avis just had a visitor's permit. She got a little concerned about that, so she called immigration. He said, what am I going to do? We're, we're moving to Maine on Saturday. We're moving to Maine on Saturday. We start pastoring on Sunday, and all I have is a visit. How am I going to, how is this thing going to work? You know what the guy said to her? He said, well, it all depends on who you get at the border. And I've been listening to that, and you have for the last 50 or 60 years. Just the other day, I called the border about something that I wanted to take across, and they said, well, it all depends on what mood they're in. What kind of absolutes is that? I don't think they have a book in chapter and verse. But I'll tell you what, we do have a book in chapter and verse, and we have absolutes, and we have the Word of God. And I believe what Paul is saying here is this. Look, in this rotten thinking old world, you just be ready with whatever it takes to tell people the gospel, but be sure that you're tenacious and sticking to the word of God. 
There are many, many, many out there today, and it's sad to say, but there are many, many, many out there today claiming to be Christian leaders and pastors who have had visions and dreams and dreamed up all sorts of weird things, and they're telling it to the people, and the people are accepting it, and the churches are growing, and it's all going to add up to a zero when God judges it. Because they're rejecting and neglecting, and I'd be you'd be surprised if I named some of the names, Joel Osteen, and other names, of men who will take the word of God, claim to be Christian, and then say, it is not important because I had another word from God. Mm-mm. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Paul says, be tenacious in sticking to the word. That's how to treat these days. That's how to live in these days. That's how to serve God in these days. Then, thirdly, <clears throat> we're, we're looking at the charge to the saints. How are we going to live in this, this world? Be ready with the gospel. Be tenacious in sticking to the word of God. Thirdly, in verses 5 and 6, he says, be faithful. He says, be faithful because I'm leaving. Look what it says. Verse 5, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He said, be faithful because I'm leaving. Timothy had been mentored by Paul. He, he, Paul led him to the Lord. Paul knew his family very, very well. Probably stayed in their home when he was traveling. And he had mentored this young man, Timothy, until now Timothy was to be a very effective pastor. Oh, he had his problems and, and worries and difficulties and so forth. We can read, kind of read through, see some of the things that Paul said to him to encourage him. But he was to become a successful pastor. And Paul, in speaking to him, said, one of the things that you need to do in these last days is be faithful because I'm leaving. I've mentored you, I've helped you, I've written to you, you've walked with me, we have fellowshiped together, we've worshiped together, we have served together, we've planted churches together, we've done this and that together, but I am soon leaving, and you need to be faithful. So not only is the injunction here for us as God's people, all of us, old and young, to be faithful, but I think what I'd like to say to the young people here tonight, that's from Vaughn and younger. <laughs> I'll be down in a minute, Vaughn, then you'll be relieved of all this. <laughs> but what I think I'd like to say to the young people here tonight, and there, there are several here, that's, that's great. I'd like to think it was because I'm speaking, but I know it wasn't. Um, I'd like to say to the young people, you need to take this chapter 3 and 4 to heart and you need to do this thing it's not just for us old people you need to do this thing and be faithful because some of us are soon leaving and then it's going to be all up to you got some MBBI students here I'd like to preach to them boy but it's true isn't it I mean, none of us like to 
think about death. I, I, I don't want to die. I want to live. Ten years ago when I had a heart attack, that's the first thing I said. Well, you know, I'm in a no-lose situation. If I die, I go to heaven, but I don't really want to die. I want to live. I mean, I, I hear people say, oh, what a glorious thing to die and to be in heaven. Well, that's true, but does it have to be now? <laughs> I mean, I'd kind of like to live. Got a lot of stuff to live for. A lot of stuff to die for, but a lot of stuff to live for. Let's be reasonable. But young people, it's coming a time, and it may not be too long from now, when some of us are leaving. And you're going to have to take up this thing of understanding something about the conditions of your society in which you'll be living, heaven forbid. And you'll need to understand firsthand what it's like to be ready with the gospel at any time and at all times. And to understand that you need to be ever so tenacious in sticking to the word of God and the absolutes of scripture to ward off the evil one and all of his dictates and the false prophets and everything else that's coming down the pike. You need to understand something of what it's like to have to be faithful in the last days and in difficult times, in perilous times, because there'll come a day, too, when it'll sap your strength. It'll be dangerous, and it may involve persecution. You need to be faithful. I think it's kind of interesting. I'll finish with this. I think it's kind of interesting. Paul talks about his departure there. <laughs> The word departure in the, in the original, I'm told, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can read. And uh, I'm told that that word departure was a word that was used in Paul's day for when a ship pulled in its anchor and disappeared over the horizon. Isn't that a beautiful picture of death, of Christian death? I believe I heard Dr. Bob at one time say something about that at a funeral. He said it's like they have pulled anchor, and have disappeared over the horizon. And now they're with the Lord Jesus. That's the illustration he used. It means a couple other things, too. It was a word, departure was a word that was used when an army folded up their tents and packed up to leave the battlefield. It was also a word that was used to, uh, of unharnessing and unyoking a pair of oxen. They were done their work for the day. And they were going home to rest. Now, those, those are nice pictures, aren't they? And someday, my dear friends, you and I will we'll do that. Surely will. Go home to be with our Savior. And don't get me wrong, it'll be a wonderful day. But there will still be work left to do on this earth as long as the earth stands and until Christ comes again. And somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. Well, I hope that we can fulfill the words of Paul here when he says, uh, get to know a little bit about the conditions of society in which you live. You notice he didn't say take part in them. <laughs> he, just said, he just said understand a little bit about them. Understand what's going on around us. Understand the failures of mankind. Understand the moving away from Christianity and from the Word of God. 
and what to do about it, be ready at any time to be able to tell the wonderful news, the good news of the gospel. To always be sure and stay true to the word of God and always be found faithful. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, it's required in stewards. That's people who are responsible for someone else's stuff. It's required. That's what we are, stewards and servants. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. We'll be judged. We'll be judged. You, if we had time to go on to verse 8 and so forth, we could talk about uh, the judgment seat of Christ and so forth. But we're responsible for upholding the word of God and administering to those outside of Christ particularly with the good news of the gospel in these days. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for its instruction. Thank you for its absoluteness. Thank you for its strength and power and for the dear Holy Spirit who illumines us as we read it and study it and for the Lord Jesus Christ whom it glorifies. Father, may we be those who will in all humility determine that in these days, these difficult days, we will stand firm on the word of God and with the truth of the good news of the gospel. For it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, folks. We're dismissed.